that, that, yeah. Every, everyone in here was got, had their radar up. I'm, got, about to I'm about to join a cult. Yeah, okay, get, get a mic in front of you. <laughs> just, just. <laughs> start off with that comment. Welcome to the Raleigh Bitcoin meetup. Everyone in this room, if we were not pulled into Bitcoin, would we have been pulled into an equally weird cult? My opinion is yes. I, I assess the people on an individual basis, and I don't have all the data in, but based on the people I've seen in Bitcoin, the success rate of, oh, they would have joined a different cult is very high. <laughs> so I think that, that deals with the first premises that is Bitcoin and is this made Bitcoin, up Bitcoin uh, saved me from Scientology. We so have, so already... That. I think we, we can go through the entire room. Right now we have one of six has admitted they would have joined Scientology if they did not join Bitcoin. And we just have five people remaining. I'll give myself two as well. So we'll say two out of six of us have admitted But it. is it – also Bitcoiners seem to be kind of like a ragingly independent-minded. I'm not, I'm not sure if Bitcoiners really wanted to join a cult or if they just – they're the type that really are kind of want to be outcasts. I feel like there's a difference between people who – it's like a cult without a leader. The leader has disappeared and we're still yeah. in the cult, but we don't really know where we're going. We don't have anybody Leaderless to dress us up. Leaderless cult definitely makes it attractive to uniform. me. I don't think I could join a cult that had a leader, unless I was a leader. So specifically, I think we would be part of the Yang gang or we would be part, you know, something like that. We would have joined with extreme enthusiasm some other movement. But, uh, maybe. That look... But, I hate but politics. the reason I say this is that other people that could have been Bitcoiners have been absorbed into competing movements. That they have been dragged into Yang Gang instead of Bitcoin. And we need so again, this goes to the infiltrate Yang Gang. Don't let people know you're a Bitcoiner until they've already you know you brainwash them, and then Bitcoin's the answer, and then you get them out of Yang Gang back into Bitcoin. But. I think the point is, I think we were all matriculating somewhere and we ended up into Bitcoin. And we need to go back to the other people that are matriculating and try to direct more of that uh, flow into Bitcoin and away Bitcoin from Bernie should, Sanders or Bitcoin, standard movements. Bitcoiners should want people to get in the Yang Gang so we can all buy Bitcoin with fiat. Or um, Proud Boys or whatever else. You know, the, you know, this is where people would have ended up. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've been like fiercely anti politics. And that's what drove me into Bitcoin. Actually, I don't even like it when we talk about politics on this podcast. But, but there, there are going to be there there are going to be yeah. I'm going to hate that. That's when I'm out. That's when I'm going to leave. Where are you going though? I see it forming with even Andreas is getting political. Like once you get big enough, you stop collecting money, and then you realize, well, what can I do with yeah, this Bitcoin? I can buy. That's not influence. really with the libertarian spirit of Bitcoin. Like, a, like libertarians never make good politicians. So I don't know. I kind of, I kind of see it going like but that. But they are politicians. How do you leave Bitcoin? Where do you go? Where do you buy a bunch of fiat? Yeah. I don't know. I'm going somewhere. I don't want to talk about like I'm leaving Bitcoin. I'm here to stay. But what do you guys think about the matriculation theory? That there is a that ever there is a lost soul, uh, line of lost souls of millions of people in this country that just want to matriculate into some movement. Bitcoin is just one of the many competing movements for these people that are di you know disenchanted with the status quo, and we're not grabbing enough of them because what well, we need to figure out like a higher level and start pulling more in. Is it a movement? I don't know if I'm here for the movement. I. 
I think I came here first for like the money or just the coolness, the awesomeness of it uh, and the weirdness of it. And then like it was super intellectually challenging to me to try to understand it. And then I could make some money off of it. And I feel like it's only been lately where I've felt more the movementness of it. I don't know. But that's probably just me. Hmm. No, it's interesting. I'd like to hear other people's thoughts. Well, it makes me wonder. It seems like maybe the early Bitcoiners, they they didn't want to necessarily, from my perspective, want to be a part of any group. It was to opt out of the the group whatever the group is quote unquote and more of an extreme individualism is what is what was appealing is giving you that sovereignty giving you that freedom so it seems like it took those people who aren't as interested in recruiting others it's just like okay these other people of the masses can go have their fun and they're what maybe the the early bitcoins would call a cult of the the normal population and we're going to go do our own thing. And then from that is what it's kind of built a movement. And But then for that movement to grow, you kind of have to have people who want to be a part of it. Whereas maybe the early people in Bitcoin were indifferent. It's like, you can be in it or you can't. Or I'm just going to, it's, it's about what I want as an individual. For me, uh, you so know, it I seems like it's an like interesting the, kind of a There's a buddy of mine. There. I don't know how much I call him a buddy, but it's a guy I know. He's all right. Uh, he's, he's <laughs> my official opinion about him. Sounds like not a, that he's my buddy. My official sounds opinion like a, is he's all right. Like I want to get as many people into crypto as possible. And he's always like, and he, you know, he gets into a lot of shit coins because he thinks, you know, it's better for poor people, whatever, like really poor people, like third world country stuff. And the room is just a bunch of like beggars from like the Philippines, like begging for like shit coins that are worthless and like getting happy if you give them 10 of them worth not even like a hundredth of a penny and they're just like and they're like literally like always with their hand out always begging the only reason they're there is because they want free stuff and he's like bro look at my chat look how much crypto drops and i'm driving like this is important stuff i'm doing i'm like dude this is i hate this chat i hate coming here like i don't care about any of this that's happening here but that, that person has attracted beggars around his person, like someone spreading seeds I mean, and attracting yeah. pigeons. You know, this is that's not a person <laughs> I mean, matriculating do, like, lost they, they souls like, that are. They start getting into it. And they start like gambling and they start like, you know, trying to do other things for crypto. And some of them, you know, I guess build up like a whole few bucks. And you know, so it kind of does lead them to get into the crypto world, whereas before they were just some third world guy that was like not even knowing crypto existed. So I mean, it kind of works in a way, but it's like. Why do I care? I was thinking earlier this morning that we've kind of gotten away from this. We need to attract strong hands into Bitcoin and moved into this. We just need to pull everyone into Bitcoin and crypto. I still think we're at the point where pulling a weak hand into crypto is not doing any good either for Bitcoin or that person. Like. I think I feel like we're still in the phase where we need to find like the most kind of um, I don't know the the people that would make the strongest hands, and we need to get them into Bitcoin and not and stop trying to just get everybody in. I think there's some of the weakest hands have been companies. They they accept Bitcoin for two years and then they drop it. We spend so much time. Well, yeah, that's the oh, similar oh, thing. Like, I, I, 
getting a company to accept Bitcoin just to say that you got somebody to accept Bitcoin, it, that's not doing anybody good. Yeah. It's the wrong right. approach. Yeah. It seems like the right way. And now we've realized like, oh, you're going to drop it in two years. It's, it's yeah, like I mean, they don't believe in it. They'll do it for some right. press. If you can make the or because owner it's convenient at the time. believe in Bitcoin and then the owner wants to get Bitcoin and then the owner realizes that the best way to get Bitcoin is to accept it. Like that's the way to go. Um, but yeah. Well, what is what are these lost souls? I mean, to going a certain to extent, we just need Bitcoin. to save them so they don't become men's rights activists. <laughs> so they become what? <laughs> so they don't men's become rights? men's rights activists. <laughs> Supermanish, man. What's wrong with that? I'm Wait, what's calling for men? So, again, we need to get these people away from those movements and into be... Bitcoin because these are the silly lost. Oh, those are the. That's yeah, the these are the. These them. are. They're, they're, they're going to do stand this up for Scientology. You know? Like. You know, I'm a manist. Everything about equality for men. We, right now, men are super minority, <laughs> discriminated against in every way. We need more rights for men, especially white men. Is Bitcoin a man's rights movement? <laughs> kind of is it a way. I don't I agree with that. <laughs> I think it naturally, by the way, comes from that. You think it naturally comes from that? Bitcoin groups tend to be men's rights groups or tend to have offshoots of men's rights like this is an interesting interesting circle. turn to the conversation men's circle, like the, circle, like the meat eating like, you know. uh, a, a similar thought it. I was having was is, does the value of Bitcoin depend on this kind of uh, severe responsibility of being able to lose it like a lot of people I know they don't want the responsibility of being able to lose Bitcoin they just don't want to hold on to their private keys you know, my mom, I don't want her holding on to her private keys. But does ultimately the, the value of Bitcoin come from somebody actually having that responsibility, like having that ability to lose it? Because if it comes from how easy it is to if you choose to do that, then you can. If I don't, you know, if I have a thousand pounds of gold and I want somebody else to hold it, it's going to be difficult for me to transfer ownership. But if I want to hold it, but if I want to hold it, then it's, you know, I can do that. So I can I can very quickly change over. To yeah, that's another good property. But if I want to, if I want to go away for a year and not think about holding my own Bitcoin, then I'll do that. And it would take me. Yeah. But what I was saying was, um, so if you gave all of your Bitcoin to some central party or gave all of your gold to some central party, no one uh, held their own keys. Nobody had the ability to lose Bitcoin. Um, then that central party would ultimately have full control and would probably be able to just print Bitcoin and like say that people had Bitcoin that they didn't have. And so like it would be inflated away. Like does scarcity mean the ability to lose something? And so I don't know. It, it, this gets back to the like getting strong handed people in mind that want that ability, that responsibility to, to lose it. Because that's ultimately where the scarcity comes from. Like the people who don't want to be responsible for it, they're not going to help the kind of foundation of Bitcoin. All right, I feel like I'm going on and on about that. I think it's kind of a second layer. Like they still want to be a part of it, but they want the first core person. Yeah. So you would be a representative. And that's kind of the thing of, of like the early, early statesmen. Like they didn't want to be president. 
because they were elected and they were like forced into I think, like so like you're you're the person who doesn't want that responsibility therefore you're going to take on even more your family your friends a local group that is around you they don't like you but they respect you kind of I think it's oversimplification to say that we want or even benefit from bringing in new investors like because I think it is the bringing in the weak hands thing that you don't even care if someone's going to come in and have strong hands like what, would we really care if the richest guy in the world with the strongest hands came with a Bitcoin? Like, it would pump the price a lot, but it's no big deal. It's really the people that want to do something with Bitcoin that's more than just price-related or investment-related who kind of do understand it as a movement that, uh, that I think is most interesting to bring in. And that's where I go to these lost soul people. Like, I don't expect these people to have much going for them besides the fact that they need a full-time Is the hobby. movement in that sense just against the Fed, or is the movement more banking for everyone or if, if the movement's not really about i mean i agree it's not really about price but i'm struggling to think of what the movement is actually about if it's not just about kind of sound money i i think we're shedding light on corruption that's too boring for regular people to deal with But are people going to even care about the corruption once the light hits it? Do we already see corruption being unearthed now and there's not enough of an outrage or uproar to do anything about it? So what if we have unequivocal proof of corruption in different we institutions? institutions? What then? We we break them because we How? Find, use a hard money to break their ability to just start giving themselves credit. We cause their economies to go into inflationary death spirals. You know, it's a... Um, you really, it's not about winning an argument about Bitcoin. It's about actually breaking the banks of these countries. But it, but the populace, the, the people who, the weak hands, the people, the average income, you know, what is it in the U.S.? I don't know, $30,000 a year, thirty five, whatever. They, life is pretty good. There's, there's no real incentive for them to risk all of their money or the comfort they do have to pump it into Bitcoin when they have a ton to lose. Whereas these these strong hands, they would get in for uh, the investment purposes. And it would be uh, uh, for the store value kind of aspect. Say, this is going to maintain value, kind of like gold was. It's like before gold was the medium of exchange, it was a store of value. And then as a result of it having somewhat stability, the rich accepted it. Um, and then merchants would use it, then the pop, or merchants would accept it, and then the uh, populace would use it to buy goods. Then uh, that's how it kind of trickled down in that way. It wasn't until the, the common person believed in the institutions or trusted these institutions that their money would be good is when they used it. I just don't see that pyramid or that kind of trust model flipping upside down for like the we first aren't time finding infinite in history there's only knowledge. one world reserve currencies and we just have to find the necessary hacks and attack vectors to break people's confidence in the u.s dollar that's what i think bitcoin should be doing at all times is we're trying to break the u.s dollar as the world reserve currency because the u.s dollar is not have to do with the american people it's as absurd as saying is there's a united states toothpaste is there a united states toothpaste i'll buy that there could be um, can I? What's up, I always had, This is a good time to uh, make an announcement. Sorry to take a quick break, but um, I got we got uh, caught trying to buy beer for 
the whole group tried to buy a case of beer and they didn't let me. I guess we're not allowed to buy cases of beer and then drink them at the grocery store that we bought them at. I guess that's some kind of law. So if you buy beer downstairs, then uh, just send me an invoice and sats and I'll pay you back for it. So, yeah. So it's like, you know. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. We're going to need just some more investors beer. to the Raleigh Bitcoin podcast. Prove of purchase. So when we... Like, if Bitcoin were to start a political party, it should be start a political party that's explicitly anti-dollar. Like, that should be its attack angle on... It should be a single-issue party against the U.S. dollar, that we are going to destroy this one institution that is not good for the American people and has nothing to do with them. It's just arbitrary. Don't you think that would just go the same way as, Ron, like, the Ron Paul movement did? I mean, when I was younger... You mean the media will cover up how successful it's going? Till he gets too really? I mean, may, maybe that's that's the case. I always just thought maybe I had the you know veil pulled over my eyes, but I always just thought the libertarians and the in the Fed movement never really gained much traction. Ron Paul laid the groundwork for Trump, hmm. like the the radicalized the Republican base against the Republican Party, and then they were just kind of fluttering around with nowhere to go until Trump came along and pretended like he was going to do what they wanted. And he was the first person to talk to them and actually pretend like he was going to do what they wanted in a long time. So they didn't even mind getting scammed. They knew they were getting scammed, he, but at least he the pretended to do what right everybody wanted for the first like, time. He acted like he was liberal. Then yes. he acted like he was the most right wing guy ever. Then he acted like he was like Fox News best friend after like threatening to sue the CEO or whatever for saying that they were fake news. Like, well, most I feel like he just. He's really good. I don't at even think he's good at everybody out on there. I think he just says the and words everybody stupidly, so and anybody that has common sense can say like this is obviously a liar, but it doesn't matter because it somehow works. Donald Trump would not have introduced anti-war things during the Republican debates if Ron Paul hadn't done done that for him, hadn't like broken ground within the Republican Party to criticize these wars, and that was a large part of what Trump was doing is like getting a. People excited I just want about to say that. a little bit about the last thing we're talking about real quick. I wish I didn't have to care how many other people got into Bitcoin at all. Like, I just want to use it for myself. <laughs> like, but I know that the only reason I have to care really is because if nobody else uses it, then I'm not going to be able to get anything with it. So, like, <laughs> I have to care a little bit. But I really, like, you know, I mean, like, I want to tell people about Bitcoin because, like, you know, it's cool. Like, this is something that's awesome and I want to share because I like it. But I don't feel like some need to like spread the cult you know i don't think like people need to get into bitcoin or we need to take down the u.s government's uh dominance on the dollar like i don't care like if it gets taken down or not like i just want to be able to use it myself for why i like it which is being in control of my own money without worrying about anything else so but you say that but like would you be happy if you just stayed stable at these yeah I would. price I mean, levels as long as obviously like i still hope that the technology gets better over time like lightning matures i don't want everything to freeze but if price was absolutely stable it'd be great because we could start pricing things in bitcoin today yeah of course but it would be better if it went up but, i mean but maybe so bitcoin is already make it stable better price is in the united states it. dollars Network super effect. volatile um I'm kind of hoping that it's just the soundness of the money that makes it take over, like, you know, the historical perspective on what money ends up being the best money for society is just the money that has the um, the lowest stock-to-flow ratio. Am I saying that? No, highest stock-to-flow ratio. 
So I, I'm hoping there, that Bitcoin doesn't have to have some kind of like violent movement revolution behind it in order for it to take over as the world's money. I hope it just happens because of scarcity. I mean, Bitcoin wouldn't have worked in Soviet Russia if you just dropped it in the middle of it. Like, it's not just going to solve all the problems for the Soviet people. Just like dropping it in the middle of the American people is not going to solve any of the problems. You know, the we're too, I think people misunderstand laissez-faire in that there are actually, you're forcing everything to happen with your own hands. It is not a hands-off approach. It is no one is going to stop you from taking the actions you want to take too economically. Not that things will just magically happen. And, you know, of course it's convenient if you don't need more people to join Bitcoin. But what if we don't recruit new people into Bitcoin and Bitcoin fails? You know, that's also entirely possible that we do need to be yeah, working in these Yeah, it's kind areas. of a paradox because, like he was saying, we I do want to tell new people about it because it's only going to work if we tell other people about it. But I don't want to be so evangelical that I, and talk about how it's going to solve all the problems. Maybe I used to. I wonder if I go back to the old podcast if I used to do that. Gonna give you more. You need to, so I mean, there's this concept in pimping where you turn a woman out, and that's all I'm proposing here is these people are going to go join some other stupid you know, cause. They're, whatever pimp walks up to them is going to convert them, and we should convert the them to our side. For Bitcoin hacks, according to Richard Park, he said people are going to get scammed by other scams, so I'm going to use the same language scammers use to convince them to buy this thing, which will be good for them, which of course was a scam, but that's like. You know, this is uh, not an un, un, unusual idea. Well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, pulling people that with... Bitcoin is a good thing to pull people into. And they might be going into things that are not scams. They're just not going to get the answers they want to. They're going to stagnate in the status quo if they're... I think every other dead end is pretty much stagnating in the status quo that we're looking at. It, it seems to me this is the age-old Raleigh Bitcoin meetup conversation. Like, wh What is it that we're attempting to accomplish, not only with this meetup, but with this movement? And I often find as a mental exercise that when you come to a mental roadblock on an assignment or a project or trying to develop a goal, that you change the object of your focus and reorient around a different concept. Let's assume for a moment that we do that, and this was the Raleigh Gold meetup. Okay, we are in this new found technology of gold mining. We're gold hodlers. What would or what should we US be doing? Dollar. Right? That's what gold bugs want. They okay. want to go back so, to a gold so, standard. That we need to break the US dollar as a world reserve currency and either and repeg it even, maybe. But is th that is what gold bugs want. Are there people that are gold holders that are not gold bugs that are that um, fundamentalist about it? I mean, surely there are people that see the value of gold that don't see the value of repegging or breaking fiat or, or, trying to, or they're trying to find the, the King Solomon approach of splitting the baby between fiat and gold. You're saying that there's only one answer. It, it appears to me that you're saying that there's only one answer. And that answer is um, breaking the back of the U.S. dollar in exchange for repegging it to gold. I don't think anyone that it hasn't been attacked by the Federal Reserve. I mean, you have to know who your enemies are. Like, if you can somehow be in gold and not realize that the price has artificially been suppressed for 20 years by looking at just a chart and it just sticks out as obvious, like, 
So, so there may be some gold bugs whose desire is to have it not be artificially manipulated, and while while on the other hand, there are definitely gold bugs that want gold to uh, break the back of the U.S. dollar and get and peg gold. You know, I think that that's the underlying problem is that we we don't know as a group what we want, and there are so many issues that we can discuss. We want to break as Bitcoiners, we want to break fiat, and we want to. You know, ha- replace this as a as a standard um, way that we view money. We want to peg it to the U.S. dollar, or we want to replace the U.S. dollar completely. And then we have people that look at this as solving consumer debt issues. Um, or some sometimes we argue that they're linked. Um, we we talk about like men's rights with Bitcoin. You know, we we get so hung up on all of these individual concepts that we bring to the table with Bitcoin, and it seems to me like. What we really need is we need a Bitcoin manifesto that outlines what our objectives are so that we can all organically or naturally agree on a consensus of what we're trying to achieve so that we don't end up having like a fundamentalist Christian problem where we're all reading the same book, but we're all taking home different messages and then we form different denominations of Bitcoin. Like, I mean, you have Bitcoin maximalism, then you've got, hey, I'm just in Bitcoin to turn a profit. You know, we, we, I kind of feel like we need a manifesto to, to bind us together so we don't end up with denominations. Um, I don't know if I like the manifesto idea. Uh, I think if I have a goal in doing the meetup and stuff, it's just to explain to people how fucking cool what just happened was. Like this invention came along that gave us sound money. It gave us an improvement of privacy of in financial transactions and it has this really fucking weird thing about consensus where money is what we decide money is like everyone has to run their own node which runs their own consensus rules which you know together as a group we decide what money means it's like this new form of governance you know like i i think i don't know if my motivation is much manifesto and lead a movement as just like look something like the airplane was just fucking invented and it's fucking awesome <laughs> and you can probably make a lot of money off of it okay all right but but i think you just you kind of just supported my point there um my, my point is that we need to agree that what bitcoin is is not some political speaking point to go into congress and start fighting fiat we need to establish that bitcoin is sound money and talk about that and focus on the the economics of it um and that there are core components to what bitcoin is that we can all fundamentally agree on and that if we can get enough people buying into that that's going to shape what what needs to come next you know instead of saying okay well bitcoin's great now let's break the let's break the dollar right why is bitcoin great why what is it about bitcoin that makes us all want to have it what are those points uh, and I think that's a much better strategy than, um, you know, running around and looking at every Congress, uh, every Rep- uh, Republican, every Democrat, and every Independent's political viewpoint and saying, "Oh, the, well, this is what Bitcoin can do for you." I think they need to see what the fundamental core tenets of it I are. Think also, too, is that just the perspective that it's anti-dollar or that it's like competing against the dollar is, uh, I think, that's misguided and. I think politically it's completely inviolable, like just not viable at all. Um, 
Are you saying it's not viable as yeah. an argument? I don't think as a, as, a, as a political platform, I think it would just look ridiculous. Um, but but the source of but the source of Bitcoin's um, the efficiency that it's going to bring to the market, like what it could do to money, I think as a platform as as leverage to fix the dollar is powerful because because that resonated very much with the Ron Paul movement and, um, and I think there are a lot of people that really really did not see just how big that movement was that was really the peak of the whole libertarian mindset and uh, the the fire that was that and I think I think you're right that some of that played into Trump because people were just looking for some sort of out that was just anything was it Ron Paul then the Tea Party then Trump was that the order. Yes. Yeah, so. Probably, yeah. That seems so the first they tried to spontaneous. So the first Ron Paul came along. Then he got too old, unfortunately. Rand Paul wasn't a good successor because we don't like um, when people's sons get into politics. Like, naturally, we're suspicious of that as Americans. And so then they tried to spontaneously organize as the Tea Party movement, but that was easy to co opt because there was no center. And they just, Occupy yeah. Wall Street was happening around the same time practically. And then Donald Trump came along. And was uncontrollable. So they and advocated their positions, they thought. So they kind of jumped onto him. But they just been agitated with nowhere yeah. to go since Ron Paul. Yeah. But in the in the context of like like where could like how could we use that if there is still fervor for fixing the dollar, for ending the Fed or auditing the Fed, is that replace it with Bitcoin. Fix the dollar. Like like we need a transactional layer. Dollar's already got all of that. Put Bitcoin behind the dollar. Fix the so dollar. So Ron Paul with was Bitcoin. just trying to audit the Fed, like this very basic first step, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't going to allow him to do that, correct? Don't haven't we so, been seeing the Fed's balance sheet though? Haven't people been talking about? No, it's what the it's it's what the Fed reports. There's. Um, Tons of there's oh, okay. leaked documents and things about off balance sheet, like in the tens of trillions of dollars. Um, uh, it's we we have some gross shadow of a semblance of what they want us to know. Um, but no, we've never done audit the Fed, despite the fact that Ron Paul continued to push it even after the. So Fed I don't think the Fed is necessarily auditable. You can't. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. So I mean, you've got a criminal enterprise, and no, and like you can't expose any of it and have any of it not fall apart. Yeah, so that's I think exactly echoes what I was about to say. Is you've got this house of cards. If you start examining what um, numbers and suit the cards are, while you've got this house of cards built, you pull one of those legs out, and the entire thing will fall. Not just the layer that you're examining, but every layer underneath that. Um, I I think that's just the nature of how they've been doing business. I have I don't think they have a clue about where the money has gone, how much it is, and when they say things like, "Oh, the U.S. is in this much debt." I don't think that they're close within yeah, I mean, 100 I think or 200% you, of that number. If you number. could look back and remember as a child when you found out that like so-and-so wasn't real that happens around December every year, that's what would happen if the American people audited the Fed in just a open book, here's what it is, and here's a New York Times expose. So that is never going to be an option. You, you have to be – there is no – soft wind down to the corruption of the 
United States empire. I, it's really hard for me to imagine like this grocery store down here having food priced in something other than a fiat currency. I mean, maybe in like 50 years, but it's really hard for me to see that happening in the next like 20 years. Well, when we had the uh, when we had the gold standard, yeah. So you you just want Bitcoin to be the settlement layer and the U.S. dollar to just be the transactional layer on top of Bitcoin. Well, not be the settlement layer. Be the global alternative that pushes it to require a monetary policy that's as secure as Bitcoin. So. The like I don't I don't want Bitcoin to be used as like whenever I want to move dollars, then then finally my bank gets to send Bitcoin. No, I want to use Bitcoin, but not everybody needs to use Bitcoin, and nobody not everybody has to use Bitcoin as long as it's a big enough, sound enough alternative. It will soak up all the value and fix everyone else's currency. Um, that would be like the greatest fiat, like peacefulest solution to all this. Standard. Like. That's 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 hope. That's yeah. my out. Hopefully, that's I don't think anybody cross. agrees with that. <laughs> like I think I think most people think it's gonna be a war. Like it's gonna <laughs> probably go not. Who knows? A lot harder than that. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be messy no matter what. Like it, it already it already is, and you can see it accelerate. And I think it's just even without Bitcoin, we're getting messy. Like, just the internet, alternative media, I think we're seeing the breakdown of political institutions all over the place, um, and the fact that America is looking weak politically, like, if things start to drum up about the boogaloo and everything, like, like if that starts to look like something's brewing there, well, then everyone who has hated us forever and is sick of us having, their thumb, uh, having our thumb on them uh, is going to take the opportunity. Like, like everything's going to start to unravel all at once. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know if there's an easy way out of it. I think it's going to be messy no matter what. But every great change that's ever happened in history for unbelievable positive change is messy as shit. So it's kind of par for the course. Yeah, they always are messy. But what I like about greatest changes, they always start with a really simple message. And um, I think there's there's a lot of research that's happened, a lot of books written about how to make an idea sticky, like something that's just worthwhile, people remembering. Um, and I, I think for us to expand on like our Bitcoin beliefs, we need to, I think, like create a sticky two-prong approach to talking to people about the economy that doesn't involve Bitcoin, kind of like the Bitcoin standard doesn't touch the um, doesn't touch a concept of Bitcoin for the first seven chapters. You've got to talk about how bad the foundation of the economy is and how it's a house of cards. Don't mention Bitcoin. And then mention how we used to do things and how stable it was back then. And uh, maybe let people you know, find a way to do it on their own. But I think we have to create a sticky message that let people lets people know in a way that isn't just going to cause them to shrug their shoulders. Because everyone thinks Washington's <laughs> fucked anyway. Wait, that's what I'm describing, is infiltrate groups. Don't tell them you're a Bitcoiner. Just complain, give all the I'm arguments from the Bitcoin standard for the first two months. And then you realize, you know what, guys? I think my, Bitcoin's the answer. 
the whole time you knew Bitcoin was the answer, but you're th- just there. In my to, Yang you know, group, I'm not scamming them. them, them into, but in my Yang group, sort I'm sort of like, like the carrot bar guys, guys that come in, bringing up Bitcoin whenever they talk about certain <laughs> things. By the way, real quick, guy, have you received the next uh, trust chain yet? I'm gonna. Do you happen to have access to a console node right now that could receive the invoice if I were to get it? Because I'm trying to get it right now. Because like somebody's. They're thinking about passing it to me right now, and I'm trying to shill them on it. So I took your picture. He told them if they give it to me, I'm going to send it to somebody here at this meetup. Are you using the podcast as a chance to talk to Guy about something you wanted to talk to him about? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's the lightning trust chain. It's the lightning trust chain. Listen, the the lightning torch is here. We could pass the lightning torch on our podcast. It, well, yeah, what's the what's it, the uh, right what's the amount right if now? If I get it, it'll be 510k. Oh, I don't know about my capacities, well, but we can try it. We can try it. Uh, okay. I got 20 bucks. I don't know. I have been spending for my Casa wallet. I might. I might. So I like the snake in the grass idea. We need Operation Snake in the Grass to go into full effect. Like maybe what we need to do is like uh, pick a random uh, meetup, but like you get to pick the person to your left's meetup, and that's the meetup you get to send them to. <laughs> so you know the um, Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, <laughs> no, I think uh, I think it's a good idea. Um, there are tons of cool meetups out there. Uh, there's there's also going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of political like rallies and things as we go into the election so i think that'd be oh, yeah. i think that's only gonna get worse place yeah, to draw i think from. like uh you just infiltrate these organizations and then when their that's candidate so goes away <laughs> you're like don't just leave out the exit guys i've got another room right here called bitcoin you can go into next don't give up on the system bitcoin uh, also i think you could go to any march and just hold up a sign that says i don't understand how bitcoin works and i think i think pretty much everyone would laugh at that sign and it'd be a good way to start the conversation. <laughs> I, w- I would like to rewind this this good conversation and go back to where um, we kind of mentioned that the general public knows that the system is fucked somehow. I don't. I don't. I don't believe that. No, no. I think the general, I think the general public has a complete distrust for the efficiency and the efficacy of their elected representatives. Okay. They know that nothing is happening in Congress that will benefit I could, them. I, I think I can agree with that. In terms of the monetary system, do you think the general public is? No, I, I, I just, don't, I think they have got a complete okay. lack of understanding. But anything involving what's taking place on the Hill. They they know that nobody there represents but them. But they believe in the I've, economy. I've, that's what like, I believe. I think everyone's given up on politics, but no one's told them that the that the U.S. economy is a fraud yet. But you have to to be a red blooded American. You have to believe that we are two things: the greatest military nation in the history of mankind, and we have the greatest economy in the history of mankind. That, that, I think, is a prerequisite for considering yourself a red-blooded like, American. Our group doesn't believe that, so don't we need to be recruiting other people that don't believe that thing? That are matriculating into other cults instead? <laughs> Cult matriculation. <laughs> Let's not use the C word. <laughs> Let's call it other opportunities. Other opportunities. I, I, 
I think our our lexicon is an important part of attracting people. Let's not use the C word. <laughs> I mean, nobody listens to this podcast anyway, except Colts the hundred thousand followers we have. Into people's so. lives for thousands of years. <laughs> <laughs> we could just call it the. We could call it. We understand it's a cult, but we could call it a team. It's team Bitcoin, Bitcoin team. Team Orange. Was what's the number? Twenty one. <laughs> you can't make a, you can't make a team Nakamoto because then it's going to sound too foreign. And people like, like there's a, there's like, no, a whole like, group of I don't like yeah. Japanese sports. Yeah, there's those damn immigrants. Do we don't like those that, immigrants. Uh, we need to make history. The history is not just going to happen. We have to literally create the history we want to occur, or someone else who wants to make their history is going to make the, that history happen. Oh, you, sir, just are, are maybe a genius. You've given me an excellent idea, and I think the way that making this history occurs is that we need to hire someone to write a bot that will go around Wikipedia pages editing randomly um, content on famous people's uh, wiki pages saying that they were, they were known uh, famous Bitcoiners. Thomas Jefferson, straight-up Bitcoiner. Hardcore Bitcoiner. Just no, like, make you know, it like, like a stupid maybe, malware that gets on the news. Of like, everybody's a Bitcoiner. Everyone has a talk about it, yeah. So, like, maybe if it's, like, pre-launch of Bitcoin, maybe they were just, like, hardcore sound money people. And then as time progresses, like, their dates and their death, uh, if it happens between certain windows, then talk about how they were sound money um, uh, students. Uh, then they were Austrian economics uh, experts, and then like known Bitcoiner. If they it happened, laid the groundwork uh, for Satoshi. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is this is a good foundation that as people start having more and more trust in the Wikipedia, <laughs> the bots can't stop all the posts. Right? Just just th- that's where the movement starts. We need to start spreading. We need a bigger bot. Make a bigger bot. Uh, uh, sadly, I think that wouldn't be enough, though. Unfortunately, I think just like you said, it every red-blooded American feels this economy is super strong. It's a super hard economy, right? Oh my god, you sir are also a genius. What we need to start is we need to start a rumor that Iran is trying to hack into Bitcoin American Bitcoiners' bank accounts. And that's why we're going to war. We're going to war to protect the American Bitcoin reserves. That will get Americans' bloods so pumping. We kind of need to do a deep fake video of like Donald Trump or someone. Talking about, talking about uh, Iran hacking Bitcoiners, right? American so Bitcoiners. Let's, let's, let's go stick with this Iran war concept for a moment. If you want to stop the Iran war, you have to get out on the streets and stop it, or there is going to be an Iran war. Why do we think that, yes, you do have to get out on the street and stop the Iran war, but Bitcoin is just going to win on its own? Like that's there's an absurd logic. Is what you're describing is illogical that we don't need to force Bitcoin to happen. It is magical thinking. Uh, I would say, I would say both are a consequence of their systems. Is that the Iran war is going to happen? Is because there's no, the the incentive structure of government is awful. The uh, the economics and the profit of those involved in the system is dependent on war happening. Um, that the the power structure in reinforces and grows exactly that part of the system. And then in Bitcoin, we have the exact opposite, is that the incentives are for 
honesty, the incentives are for, and the, the feedback loop is for increased adoption. So I would say, actually, the, the I would push back, back against that in the sense that um, I think both are consequences of how the systems are designed and there's not a whole lot we can do to change them other than be a part you of building and You guys are having a great conversation, but I have to say that to I'm holding the lightning torch right now. And these people Woo! on Twitter are like really like Whoa, fast. what's up? So <laughs> they want me to yeah, pass yeah, this They've been angry about so this. I would like to pass somebody here at the meetup, ideally. Now, Breeze is a million sat, so right, a new Breeze this. wallet would be able to hold it. And if you've got like... If you've got a breeze wallet that's too full, I could like make an invoice. You could pass me some money to empty a channel, and then I could send you. I don't My know what kind of capacity they have. Is that I'm downloading breeze wallet right now. We could maybe even do it like a few I times around the table here. Breeze. We might have to do a new wallet. I'm having my first trouble since I oh. got breeze. Restart you your whole phone, it. maybe. And I've closed it and reopened it. And this happened earlier this afternoon. So uh, I'm going to try be, SATS. Uh, it's 10000 right each time. And I just got it for 500000 So it'll be 510000 And you'll yeah. have to send somebody else 520 So you'll actually, you also need 10000 more. But, I mean, I can, you know, if somebody doesn't have 10000 I can send them 10000 All right. I'm installing Breeze Watt right now. I'll accept it. Uh, that's fine. I just opened my breeze wallets and saw that my last payment was for eating a fart, and that yeah, was for one sat. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cheap. To- totally. totally. What's stopping people from? Just yeah, that's why it's called the trust chain. Right now, if I wanted to, I could take this fifty bucks and just leave and say bye to Bitcoin forever and my five hundred thousand sats, and everybody would hate me for life. <laughs> yeah, the first time they did that last year, actually, um, uh, I think it was before they got to a hundred. Somebody uh, snagged it and said, screw you guys, not your keys, not your coins. Um, and uh, and he, he actually came back after he got public, after he got shamed all over Twitter. Uh, he came back and It'll said, I was just messing, I was just messing, guys, and then, like repaid. Um, and somebody and else, I think, 10, pretended more to, but to send, send the next guy 520,000 sets. Hold on, let yeah, me just tweet about it growing. I, um, I think it, it grew to... God, how much I had it at uh, number. I was like number one seventy three. I was very, very happy about it. Um, but uh, I think it grew to. I'm gonna get it wrong. I, mean, I, I don't know, but uh, ended up going back to hold Lenat and going to uh, Venezuelan fund, I believe. Uh, it was it was one of the currency crisis countries. It was either like Venezuela or Argentina or something. <laughs> <laughs> which which which, which one? one? One of the like twenty or thirty is, is the U.S. Yeah, what, is the U.S. on that list? U.S. wasn't top priority, but man, just on a serious note, for the message, um, is like, like something that I can think bridge a lot of gaps has historically been a great one, and for as bad as some of this country needs a divorce right now, uh, could. Um, resonate is just independence is that like like that's what that's what the whole of bitcoin is for me like it's just like i want to like people talk like like i hate that i have to 
think that other people should like I totally get the sentiment that he was talking about that like I feel like I have to promote Bitcoin or something like that because the whole point of Bitcoin for me is to step away from all of that bullshit is to feel like holy crap there's actually a solution in which I don't have to involve myself in this pile of nonsense for the rest of my life that I can step away and know that it's not in control of me um, so I, I, maybe we need a new declaration of yeah if there is a movement and there needs to be a mantra I think Bitcoin would be a part of a movement towards decentralization like we had like you know Co communism versus capitalism or whatever but now it seems like both socialism and capitalism are like forms of centralization and we're trying to move to decentralization maybe i shouldn't use capitalism there because capitalism is still a part of decentralization too but um that's that's actually a really good thing and there's been a number of contexts where, like, unrelated to Bitcoin and, like, in spheres that I was not expecting to hear it, I've heard the word decentralization. And I think it has kind of a, uh, for, for the breadth that that word is actually recognizable, that it's got a really positive connotation. Um, and yes, capitalism is technically decentralization but not in the meaning that everybody understands it today. Is that people think capitalism is what we have. It's, it's, it's corporatism and it's, you know, patents and everybody fighting each other and government subsidies and stuff like that's got nothing to do with capitalism. But that's yeah, what that's it means so weird. Now, like capitalism means um, corporatism so, now. And yeah. that sucks for like yeah, the yeah. purest cap capitalists. It, it's not at all the true meaning of capitalism, but sometimes when politics abuses a word so badly that it means something else, it's more beneficial to find a new, a new way to describe what you're going for. When when the old is just causing greater dissonance, when it's just when it's not communicating anymore, you need to find a new way to communicate what you're actually going for. Because if I tell if I tell a room of 20 random people that I want capitalism, five people will be like, yeah, freedom. Free Amazon. Markets. And the other 15 will be like, you corporate chill asshole, you know, like, and like, I'm not communicating with the majority of that room. Um, and I think decentralization is actually, a, uh, I think that's a useful. Yeah, it, it useful has a paradox though weapons, in trying to in form like a party with one like central leader and central message right so it, it's a little bit paradoxical but I, I still think it could work I, I yeah this is this is the thing that troubles me though with um so decentralization right that's like it's not well it's kind of distributed but i guess everyone has an equal say kind of it's kind of what democracy yeah there's some overlap there for sure be, yeah almost can we agree? Right. If democracy worked as an ideology, right. if democracy worked as an ideology, it would be decentralization, but it always ends up just being a giant political central institution. Um, but from the way it sounds, yes, it's saying we should be decentralized. Guys, Paul has the trust chain now. Yeah, so oh. Paul's going to tweet it. <laughs> nice. Well done, everybody. Hey, Paul. <laughs> so, so going back to that... Can anyone point to a time in history when a true democratic organization or a true decentralized organization 
has ever. Well, we had such a good an example with the Dow and Ethereum. <laughs> That's a joke. But <laughs> the, the decentralized autonomous organization that famously got hacked in Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. I got I'd, the I'd like to hear. I was there. I understood that reference. I'd like to hear where you're going from. <laughs> with he, here, cause. Yeah, this, this is what troubles me. Because when you're decentralized, you're just robust. You're just big. You're very defensive, right? You can't really like move. You're not mobile. I mean, these guys, let's talk about the Federal Reserve, right? They're able to do what they can do because they are offensively uh, a, a threat to everybody. Like, you have to do what they say. And it's like a chain of command, probably, that goes on with them. And they follow orders. They're pretty strict. So, I mean, it's a fine-tuned, sharpened weapon, like an arrow, where Bitcoin is more like yes. a, yeah, a I big agree. circle where everything is distributed. So it's going to be hard to focus that towards a direction to take over, whether it's monetary standards, a settlement layer for anything. To me, in my, but in it's my kinda, aspect, it's going to be... I, I totally agree. Difficult. If you're if you're trying to focus Bitcoin as a movement on one particular issue, that's going to be hard. But just like Wikipedia took over, you know, the encyclopedia industry because it was so decentralized, I feel like Bitcoin's still going to take over, but we're not going to be able to direct it towards one particular issue, maybe. I think it's... I think it's the way that we naturally want to group things. We want to really abstract and make symbols of everything that we're trying to find out what, what's the, like you said, what's the one decentralized organization. But I think if you really kind of step back and don't look at the organization, but you look at how things are organized, decentralization has been winning for 2,000 years. It's been kicking ass. Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean by and that? You mean just like, kind of like individual about, freedom? I mean, okay. look at the progression toward freedom, toward independence, toward like individual sovereignty, education, like the the connection between people. I don't believe in progress. But I think. No, I don't think. You don't I think believe in progress. The Greeks had it as good as we have yeah, it today. Two thousand years they were ago, it's a myth. Us too. Um, they, that, that, we're, definitely smarter than us. They, we're intentionally miseducated to believe that we've made progress when we haven't because we've, we've yeah, exactly. Technological yeah, I sort of progress agree with that. is how you define it. Uh, I, was, I feel like that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. Many <laughs> no. people had it better in uh, the Greek days than today. They were just openly accepted. There was not a. It was just people were just openly gay. Two thousand years ago, like. I think that's just one of those cultural things. It's about what is accepted, not like any specific thing. Like, like th- those things just come and go in trends. Like, it's like, yeah, you could be cycles. You could be gay in in that age, and it was like no big deal because there was no there was no this weird culture about it. But you couldn't be the wrong religion. Like, <laughs> there were a lot of things you couldn't be, and it's less about whether or not you can be one specific thing because that comes and goes that's just the political winds of the time it's about whether or not there is anything that you can't not be that is got nothing to do with anybody else it's just your decision to be you um so I, I, I disagree i don't i don't really have a good <laughs> argument at the moment it's nice to be <laughs> but uh, uh, uh yeah optimistic 
I think I think our ability to be, and I think I don't think it's politically. I don't think people are any different. Um, but I think our capacity with our technology and the platforms and the conversations we can have, I think it naturally because it connects us to more people, and it's so much harder to shut someone up that you don't want to speak. That we have a lot of these freedoms and independence, where somebody in just the fact that they're in a small community. That's the point doesn't have any yeah, of that freedom true. to explore that part of themselves. Um, and, yeah, like, we're all so stupid. Yeah, we all hate each other for a, just a mountain of dumbass reasons. But, eh. but how, what's, the, what's the scope of how bad that affects me that, you know, a bunch of people disagree with me on Twitter? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think interpersonal communication has fallen apart. I don't think communicating on Twitter is, like, better than we communicated <laughs> when we wrote letters to each other. I think it's, like, uh, definite, like objectively worse. Like, if you could get a, a computer to look at, like, oh, how many words are being used? What's the quality of the language being used in these letters? Communication has just fallen apart. Yeah, I think we took a hit in interpersonal communication. But in terms of the leverage, in terms of reaching who we can reach now with communication, that's astronomically, like, orders of magnitude way better than yeah. it was before. This, this window before Facebook and Google closed it was very, very fun. <laughs> and I also think if you just kind of look... If you, <laughs> if you look at the progress... I just kind of got what you said there. <laughs> um, if you look at the progress of technology, though, um, this really feels like it's a transitional phase is that we're becoming dependent on the new medium, but the new medium is unbelievably insufficient. But that insufficiency will not always be there. Like, the interpersonal connection that we used to get in the analog, I think will eventually be in the digital. But we're, right now, we are, in the smack, we are smack in the middle of we sort of have analog relationships. We have really messy, what the hell is going on, digital relationships. Like, like, it's just they're being slammed into each other at 200 miles an hour, and we're trying to make sense of it because the world 20 years from now is clearly going to be vastly different than where we're sitting. Yeah, I think... Um, so I think it's a short-lived problem, Yeah, I basically. think we need to disintermediate is, is the other theme <laughs> along with decentralization and that we need to make, get Facebook and Google out of the way between two communicating pe people. Like, there should just be an objective, just something as objective as a protocol, that if you follow the protocol, you can communicate with everybody you know. Everybody you know can see all the photos you want them to see. Just obey the protocol. No one can censor the protocol. It's just out there. But instead, we have someone who wants to come and censor the protocol to make advertisers happy, and that's just destroyed communication. Right. Yeah, people claim to be carriers when they're not really carriers. Um, so, Guy, you, you mentioned that, we, that decentralization has been winning for quite a while. I didn't catch your argument for that. Do you mind elaborating on it? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, well... Just, just look at if we're talking about like a multi-thousand-year time scale. Is um, the like the growth from like straight totalitarianism, feudal systems, like highly centralized religious-based institutions and governments, then the separation of church and state. Uh, America was a giant, a giant step, a, a huge leap in that. I mean, we've gone. 
four steps back since that giant leap, but um, it was a huge like standard, a, a precedent set of just the idea of people that should have, have personal liberty, that they shouldn't be told what religion to have, that they shouldn't be told what to believe about the world. And then the scientific revolution, the renaissance, like all of these things freed up. And again, I think it's probably a, combina- uh, uh, a consequence of technology more than anything, um, because it was really, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, you spent 98% of your day working your ass off. You, you didn't have time to think about stuff. Nobody's listening to podcasts. You know, like, they just, there was the, the breadth of disciplines that you could even go into. It was like, choose one through seven, you, you know, like, and now it's one through practically infinity and invent a, ten more on top of it just because you got a decent idea today. Um, and that is decentralization. That's the incredible expansion of the market and the division of labor. The fact that we can do one tiny little nothing task in the economy and provide value to thousands of people. And well, I don't have to know any, how to do anything else. I could be completely ignorant about everything else. But if I can do this one thing, I can, I can trade and... Uh, uh, cooperate with these millions of other people and we're all productive together and there's enough left over that my one task can sustain me for life that's i think that's an unbelievably powerful thing that just is really taken for granted today uh and it's very easy to look at like the political pushback or like where things aren't great and forget that 200 years ago you know, you'll be nostalgic for sitting in front of the fire and reading, you know, dad reading to the family and everything after you got off a day at work at the farm. But the reason you're doing that is because there are no lights and because dad's the only one that can read in the family. Like, like it's very easy to forget how unbelievably far we have come. And I think that's, I think that's representative of the decentralization that has happened over the past 2,000 years. And getting to the, the decentralization topic, as we were talking earlier about how to get Bitcoin moving forward, I don't think society will ever jump onto Bitcoin as a Bitcoin and a monetary policy argument in and of itself. I think the decentralization theme or meme is good because there you, you can't simplify one-liner build the wall crooked hillary you can't do that like that's what the, trump is a brilliant communicator he simplified things that people could rally around and believe in and people want their their thoughts or their beliefs to be simple and not have to go through h- hundreds of hours and learn bitcoin so uh, one thing that around decentralization could be speech obviously there's an issue with censorship and speech in the nation and in the world and like there was this, there was even a guy in Britain who was sentenced to jail for teaching his dog to do the Heil Hitler. Oh, I saw that. He, oh, I saw it, you know, that. that's that's incredible. You know, I wouldn't believe his that. Dog? If you told me that right now, I'd have kind of laughed. His dog. He taught his dog. Yeah, he made this. a joke. You know? Like he made videos on YouTube while laughing mm-hmm. hysterically of yeah. his dog doing this, and he was sent to prison for hate speech. And uh, right. and it was funny because I follow that that, that guy, and mm-hmm. he actually retweeted that stupid UK movie, which actually might actually be cute. It's kind of funny, um, but it's about the Hitler Youth. It's a whole movie parodying Hitlerism and everything about 
kids. And and he was like, are you kidding me? And I got how long in prison? Which one of these people are going to go to jail? The producer or the director? Like, so, so idiotic. So, so there's a there's a issue that uh, around speech growing in 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 our own nation in the U.S. with cancel culture and then in other countries to a to a greater extent. And I could see Bitcoin being a solution to part of censorship and to attaching that to something that people can rally around freedom of speech, at least in the U.S. Or what other whatever other ideas. Uh, our ideology they hold more dear than monetary policy which no one I would say less than 1% of people uh, in, in the U.S. care about that because it's not it's too difficult to think about there's a lot more higher level issues that they're concerned about um, for them to actually do some critical thinking intellectual thought it's not that they're too stupid it's just there's not enough bandwidth to do that kind of stuff so I think Bitcoin could be uh, an addition a great tool for a greater movement of decentralization in the media, in freedom of speech, or whatever domain you're talking about. So I think that's where it'll be, have its most its greatest impact is seen as a great tool to achieve X, Y, or Z. Man, so many good topics right now to talk about. It's, it's crazy. Um, sticking on that, what you were just talking about, and a little bit of what, um, no, but we'll both do, Guy and Lee. So Guy, you brought up a great uh, point where, you know, I was, kind of racking my brain in terms of, okay, what is a great decentralized state that has taken over another state? But you kind of pulled it a little back, taking a, taking a big picture approach, and you're saying that the world itself is naturally in a decentralized state at all times, basically. So the United States might be a superpower over here, but there's obviously still some balance. So if, uh, let's say, China and Russia and some other groups join together, there's some balance naturally there that can be assembled. So I think with that with that being in mind, it's kind of hard being a Bitcoiner and also an American because we're just so at war with trying to figure out how Bitcoin is going to, you know, kind of take over America. I know it's a, it's a dream, but I mean, we were thinking about it, but that might not ever happen. What might happen is that might come from somewhere else where another country or a bunch of other countries fully adopt Bitcoin and then America is left as the only one standing, not on the Bitcoin standard. And they're this is what behind, I mean by you actually have to make history happen. There's inevitability to it, but the actual manner in which things go down are 100% the people involved. I can agree with that. And that particularly where things happen and where the movement starts as opposed to where it ends is dependent on the people who are there, the people who dedicate themselves to it and make themselves vocal about it maybe. Um, but uh, on uh, your point in, uh, I think the reason, I mean, obviously I hope just because I live here, um, it's America, um, but uh, uh, I think the decentralization, the freedom, the free market aspect of it resonates here better than it does anywhere else. Um, we actually have the highest percentage participation um, demographically, um, so of who has 
who where are the most of the Bitcoiners? It's the U.S. Um, and also, I think there's a powerful arrogance culturally in the U.S. that we love being the best. And if someone starts being obviously better than us, um, the general sentiment is that, well, we're going to figure out how to beat them. And that maybe that is more powerful than our desire to control and hate ourselves, <laughs> um, which is, I think, what's winning at the moment. Um, but uh, to be perfectly honest, I have done a lot of research, I guess you could say. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's loose and sometimes subjective and cultural, um, but... I've been looking for a place to leave to if shit hits the fan. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I still think America's the best bet. Um, it's messy being here specifically, but and there are definitely other options, and I've got things on the table where, where I'm... I, I want going, to man? do Tell a little bit more going. research about some you're gonna, places. You're going to disappear tomorrow, are you? Um... <laughs> Uh, Switzerland's on the list. Um, Hong Kong was a consideration. It is not anymore. Um, Singapore, about, uh, obviously. Singapore is so the or whatever. Where yeah, Adam a back lot and of I mean, you got to like pay to go there, but it's basically that's, that's what it is. It's like a it's like a place you pay them the yeah, money. Yeah, that was like what two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the citizenship. That's a that's a honey trap. Well, then why isn't yeah, who's who's been that. like who's been tricked by this? That's uh, it's well, see, an the question indefensible. Is, the question is where can you the Falklands happen? Look into history and still get the benefits of a small island. You have to stay in a cage there. You just are now no longer legally bound by all these taxes and other expenses you have. You're not. You think you're no longer legally bound. I'm saying that they would invade that country. It's not a big deal. They, they've done very small. <laughs> they've done they Granada. Did, they've done small operations. You're no longer Saint a citizen not. Staying power is also important. Staying power is also important. Um, and uh, one other thing is just, it's, it's really hard to navigate because you can easily look up, oh, this is what the law says, or, oh, this is what the tax policy is, or all this stuff. But it's not the same as, like, Oh yeah, when you live here, you know that that this that's really not how that works. You, you know, there's there's a difference between being there and and everybody is having some really fun political problems right now. It's all yeah. messy. So, uh, getting back to what you're talking about with the decentralization, I ha I feel like I have competing views on that. Um, on one hand, I agree with you. Um, the world has gone more towards freedom and like the long time frame lens of history it does feel like lately things have become more centralized and i also feel like the process of a state of a new country is towards centralization so it's like it's hard to imagine like when oh, america absolutely. yeah when people came to america but this was a often. huge step in the direction of decentralization because it was a brand new country and we had new unexplored space to explore. But now it's like, we don't have like new countries to move into. It's like we're, we're moving into this new digital land and we're hoping that this decentralization is going to happen there. And I guess, I guess it is happening there. Um, and also just to go back about other countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I lived overseas for three years and, the sense of decentralization and personal liberty here is definitely still. 
before I went over there, I was like, oh, you know, every country has freedom. America's not special because it's having freedom. But but after having living over there for a while, it's not just the freedom. It's the like, no, they're like, oh, I don't understand why Americans have guns. I just don't get it. And not to like get into the gun thing, but they just, they don't get that Americans do not trust their government. Like, like the, the foundation of the rebel culture here and the like. A government has to make a case in order against me. That that idea is just like not as present anywhere else in the world, or at least the places I have lived. But um, the decentralization thing, yeah, I I struggle with this. We don't have a physical territory to go into anymore, where the decentralization process can continue like it has, because we've explored all the space. So it's like we either have to go to another planet or hopefully this whatever the fuck is happening with going into the digital world. Yeah. That's what I think, though, is that the the digital space for what value, like identity um, values in Bitcoin, whatever, whatever it is, um, identity or anything that we claim in the digital space is solely ours um and it doesn't have any of these borders and the more that we are living online the more that we do have that sovereignty if we choose to actually take the steps to protect it and that's that's really what i think it is is that it's the abstraction from uh like you don't have to live in a productive place in the world to do business with the productive place in the world anymore like you, when I'm hiring uh, a virtual assistant online, it's typically someone from India. It's typically someone from the Middle East who takes very low pay because it's twice the pay they would get somewhere else. And it's private as opposed to um, public. And they have to tell their government about it. That's going to rape them six ways from Wednesday uh, on what they actually get to keep of it. They're getting and, rated against their consent. Like, they didn't even consent to that rating. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but basically, yeah, I mean, the, that digital space is that which is making us a global decentral. It's, it's as if like the gray and black markets are slowly, it's the, the idea of the agora, the um, uh, agorist or agorism, is that the black and gray markets simply are growing faster than the quote-unquote official markets which um are attempted to be controlled and regulated and essentially parasitically siphoned by the nation states um will simply outgrow them it will simply become more productive it will become more efficient and it will become safer than the the government-run economy it will just take a very long process of so getting back to Um, your point earlier do you think this can happen? So I, I think what he's saying is that these are just forces at work. Like if you have one country that has a silver standard and another country that has a gold standard, it's just economic forces at work that will make the silver standard country eventually have to succumb to the gold standard country just because silver is more printable than gold is. And so I think I think uh, I know you, I, I kind of agree with you that history changes by people making changes and being kind of evangelist about it. But there's also a sense that just 
supply and demand and scarcity and, you know, the best money wins in the absence of some kind of violent coercion. So I guess maybe the question is, will there be enough of an absence of violent coercion in order, you know, for Bitcoin just to do the natural economic thing? Yeah, so what you're discounting right now is that the current system is not sustained with violent coercion. <laughs> is there vi- so, there's violence in the world? Which it surely is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everywhere the, everywhere, that, everywhere that the American empire touches is bad for the people that live there. It's better if you're an American citizen, but the further you are away from America, the worse you're going to be treated and the more violently you're going to be treated. You're just a number at that point. So just to, um, I guess, help visualize this decentralization concept where it's just pulled all the way back, fully abstracted. So just think of the world as Bitcoin, right? And every country is a node. Hopefully more than one node per country. That's my view. So I would just do the abstract thought experiment. No, no, no. Just one node per country. Just do the abstract. Right. Just for this thought experience. So, um. America is one node, right? America is a very bad node because America is going over to other nodes and is kind of poisoning them somehow. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's basically what's happening. It, but, I mean, this is technically what's happening. But in, in the Bitcoin world, every node is kind of... When you're, when you're running your own node, you're your own centralized force. So you get to enforce what you want within that node. The world is kind of supposed to be like that, where you know we have all these countries acting as their own nodes, and they're centralized. They have their own rules, their own, you know, uh, paradigms and things that they they go by. But for some reason, we have countries like America, you know, the UK, who are kind of messing up the system. But I think after after a while, you know, things will get back to normal, or they'll even themselves out. But that's kind of interesting that Bitcoin is kind of... Yeah, but in Bitcoin, you wouldn't have people kind of pressuring other people to run the software for their particular node version. Like the U.S. would pressure other countries to run its node or else, you know, we'll like cut off trade with you or we'll, um, you know, or... Well, I mean, if you had a very like hugely economic entity that was trying to pressure other people into running their nodes. I mean, this is kind of what happened with the fork wars, right? I mean, you have the miners that are trying to get people to run their node software. And yeah, I guess it, it, this comes back to the decentralization issue. If there does become one giant mega Walmart of Bitcoin, then they can probably like get people to run their node software. So it's kind of, we're waiting to see if that happens or not, right? I mean, I, I hope it doesn't happen. Oh, that's yeah. when I'll go to Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin has to be here. Wait, wait, wait. Grin. Grin. All right. Sorry. Too far. Too far. Too far. Too far. So, so moving back to the idea that we was there ever a successfully replacement where decentralization replaced a current centralized system? And I think the answer is probably no or it didn't last internet? very long. That that we um what I mean, was well, there first it's pretty decentralized it was open source anybody could be a node on the internet oh well the 
I, but I, I would say there hasn't been a country worth a damn in world history. I think the I think the idea of a quote unquote decentralized country. Um, I think the best example we have of is the U.S. Um, is was a failure, but it was an attempt at creating decentralized governance. Like the whole idea was that the states were in charge. Um, and even if you look at it, the you break it all the way down per the Constitution, our original law, the sheriff was the highest law of the land. Nobody could contest the sheriff. Um, but now it's flipped because it still had a number of inherent flaws that led the system in a highly centralizing way back to the federal government runs everything and everybody else just tries to pretend they have power. Um, but uh, originally, the explosion of wealth and prosperity that we had, I think, was a result of the decentralization. But decentralization doesn't really work as a country because... The country is really, in, in, a, in a large way, kind of uh, antithetical to it. It's the idea of a central institution running decentralization, which is kind of opposite to the yeah, point. Yeah, I don't think the United States was a sincere effort to make a great country. I think that's kind of a problem. <laughs> I don't think you commit treason over a small well, tax hike in this. and you, are Wade. like, oh, you're amazing people. You know? <laughs> it's never, I never go get something that I heard the last time. Like, but yeah, I think, I think time. the, uh, there has always been a, you know, American, there's a lot of subterfuge to American history. I think it is kind of bad people who got their wealth doing bad things, lying and tricking people to do their work for them. And I think that's been the history of yeah. all civilizations since the beginning of time. And there hasn't yeah. been ever been, that's the history of people. there's never been a country that it's worth a damn because there's never been a country that just let you keep the fruits of your labor. Not a single one. No matter what system, whether it's democracy or representative democracy or monarch, there hasn't been a single country that just let you keep the fruits of your labor. It's, we've, we've been working with software that isn't even worth releasing. If you do release the software, you're going to have Holocaust <laughs> and equal calamities just massacring people. Like, the state has been a disaster. <laughs> no, that's fair. It's been a it's been a persistent for you know what is it, five thousand, ten thousand, some odd years. Um, it is a per, been a persistent parasite in one form or another. But I think its form has been less and less directive of what everyone else is doing during that time. And I think that is the indication of the increased decentralization is that. Even what power they have now, I, mean, I think you can acclaim, despite the fact that there may be more violence and there may be more imbalance in the government, I think you can argue that pretty, pretty easily that 20 or 30 years ago it was far more uh, powerful in the sense that people listened to it. People thought it was the source of truth and just... Most don't anymore. I think they got better. I think we. I think everyone's controlled opposition now. I think there's like one percent of people that are not. Everyone who thinks they're fighting the system is not actually successfully fighting the system. They are controlled opposition. Okay. Do you think it's 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 kind of like what is it? Yeah, I mean they've had de they've had decades and millions of dollars game. to figure out how to control people so that they can't actually do anything successful. We've had. I mean, if you've lived for the last. If you've lived in America, you know that our elections don't do anything. 
you can't no, go no, back and say, no. oh, this election caused this result as far as legislation. It's just, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a trick where you, you're not aware of what's happening. Is it right that there's always going to be sort of uh, a percentage of people that have more of a follower mentality, like a more of a follower personality type, and they don't really want to do things their own. They just, on their own, they just want to trust someone else. And uh, so the government is going to capture all of these people and Bitcoin kind of relies on that minority personality type that is more of an independent thinker. Well, we've evolved to prefer hierarchies. People who aren't willing to submit to a leader go off on their own and they die, evolutionarily speaking. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just in our genes to look to authority. That's why we're the weird ones, you know, as we're saying. It's like we're the ones branching out. So that is how it's like not, we're not being controlled, quote unquote, necessarily. We're just a function of our genes. And we're not in the positions of authority right now. It's not to say that we can't aspire to be in those positions, but it is natural for us to to think to look upon them and submit as a as a, right. as a species. I like that evolutionary theory concept because that's like the the old school. What is it? The uh, Homo sapiens versus Neanderthals. I think it's like that. So the Homo sapiens are able to, I guess, train and train wolves and domesticate wolves and actually work together as communities, whereas Neanderthals were kind of, they were definitely stronger, but they weren't as organized. And eventually the Neanderthals went extinct. This is just supposed theory from evolutionary theory. It's the same thing with, you know, these these concepts where, you know, things are decentralized. It's kind of hard to win at the end of the day because someone that's something that's more focused and has a direct directive on what they want to accomplish usually has a better chance of winning so i mean you could say the neanderthals were kind of decentralized they all had their own groups well they didn't have groups but they all were you know in their own headspace like hey i want to do this i want to do this and that but the homo sapiens are like hey we want to live and we actually want to conquer take over these these caves these group of caves over here we're going to take over the uh they're going to domesticate these wolves we're going to start farming things like that and just basically wiped out these decentralized <laughs> guerrilla warfare versus the military-industrial right. yeah. conflict. So I, I really like that as an explanation built on top of what was just said. But couple that with the idea that in in modern society, you you get handed your right to vote depending on where you're born, and that there isn't this significant burden and um, value instilled upon you when you are granted citizenship. Um, if you go back to ancient Greece and even Rome, being a citizen was a big damn deal. You know, you couldn't you couldn't get that by filling out some paperwork. You know, to get into to become a Greek citizen, become a Roman citizen. Um, you were handed that responsibility, and now it seems that you you're born in the country. You are given the right to vote when you turn eighteen, and people squander that because it's just so easily gotten um and something that's so easily gotten is so easily taken for granted that you have a lot of people giving away uh well well you know the herd mentality someone's going to make this decision for me i'm just going to vote on party lines or i'm just gonna hey who should i vote for for judge who should i vote for for 
you know, for presidents. I don't really know. Well, my parents are doing this. This is what I'm going to do. You, you no longer are required to be informed because it's a really easy decision that just doesn't feel important anymore. Where, you know, 2,000 years ago, it was the biggest ordeal that you could do in your lifetime is cast a vote. And there isn't that responsibility anymore. And I think that's why it's taken for granted. And that's also why we're not involved in the political process because we've been so we've been removed so far from it. We don't see the fruits of our mistakes. Yeah, it's like we we're living through a 51% attack, right? We just, we've been okay with a, a straight up 51% attack on oh, the United I, I States. I actually do believe it's a 51% <laughs> attack and it's not the one that you're talking about, the Bitcoin 51% attack, which is that in, in authoritarian countries like North Korea and Russia, the way they run their elections and prove they're legitimate is by letting the, the let Putin's going to receive 90% of the vote. So they think that the fact that Putin received 90% of the vote is going to trick people. They'll be like, you know what? Everything Putin does is okay. Look at these amazing approval ratings. Whereas in America, they can't pretend like we're all united around a candidate with 90% of the vote. But they can pretend that every election ended 49-51%. What a coincidence. It's the exact same rigged number system of 90% support for Putin. But every election ends 51-49%. You don't think that's a coincidence that every election ends 51-49 the exact same way that Putin has 90%? It's the exact same scam. It's a scam for slightly smarter people that are still willing to be tricked and are still dumb, but they just want to, you know, oh, man, we were so close. We just got five more people to show up. My side would have won. It's, you know, it's, it's a rigged system, 51-49 every time, and the winner does not matter. Yeah, I think it's an excellent test to just use a 51% attack to see if, you, you're, if you're really running a decentralized system or not. Um, obviously, we know that the United States is not running a decentralized system just based off of that. We know Russia's not doing that. We know all these other countries are not doing that. But if you take it to the worldly concept, going back to what I was talking about before, where, you know, these, all these nation states are nodes. Do you think there's a 51% attack? What do you mean by that? The world right there, there's a there's a there's a point shaving attack where the Democrats and Republicans are not willing to win 60 to 40. They're only willing to win 51 to 49. Both sides are shaving points. That's why every election is 51 49. In the, in that's, the, that's yeah, the United in, States. But the point is that democracy <laughs> is so broken. It, if you can do this 51% attack on democracy, it's over. That's about that. It's a, it's an unfixable agree, problem. But, I don't, I don't, I'm not even going to attempt to think about how to solve that problem on this podcast. That's a whole nother couple of weeks to talk about. But I just want everyone's honest opinion for the world itself, all the countries in the world. Do you think there's an active 51% hap, 51% attack happening to take over the world? Basically? I, I don't know no, just, what, just the world. I don't know what you mean, general. like 51% to take over. Not, not in, not. Not, not in terms of. Money, but I mean, isn't that the point of, of democracy for fifty-one percent to get their way? I don't understand why it's an attack. So in Bitcoin, a fifty-one is a fifty-one percent of attack in Bitcoin bad or good? Well, uh, yeah, it would be a fifty-one percent. Yeah, like if somebody was actively trying to destroy the Bitcoin network. So you're asking. Are 51% of people trying to destroy governments? Uh, I think that'd be yes. kind of cool if it, that did happen. That should be I mean, more clear. Like, so kind of like the silent majority just wants the world to crash and burn. Is that 
or not maybe not let's not even go that far just let's just say that 51 percent of this group is basically just like in bitcoin they're basically printing their own money in the in the world today is there a group that's that has that much control where they're basically printing oh yeah for sure but that's not yeah, for them. that's it's not the 51 percent of people it's like the one percent of people <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's I don't yeah know. so the uh the basically the monarchs were never displaced like the big thing that happened in human history in my opinion the only progress we made was the magna carta where you went from having one absolute ma- monarch to an a somewhat limited monarchy with a bunch of lords that also had the same power as the monarch but shared it a little bit with him. That's all the advance we've made. And then those lords eventually moved into private enterprise instead of just justifying themselves through government, but they all still had monopolies on lands and royal charters to whatever mines, etc., etc., etc. Those people are still in charge, and they are psychopaths. They were... They, I mean, they've, they've always just killed their people and just fought these wars. They, they're the... If you... Your brother is the king of Amsterdam. You're the king of France, and you're now going to go and murder your brother and get citizens to go do this attack. These are the people that have always been in charge of history, and it's really just a coincidence that we've been ruled by these people, but we never displaced them. That was our big mistake, is we never got rid of this, um, the continuity. We always wanted to create a continuity with evil, that wealth was attained in an evil way, and it's a real problem. Is the working hypothesis of this uh, podcast so far being that decentralized governments is a good I think, thing? I think it's more like um, is that, is individual that we, talking about here? personal freedom, I believe, as kind of a form of decentralization. Okay. Okay, so I agree with more of that because I just got this impression that we were talking about like a decentralized governance, and I just don't think that's a concept that that can ever exist. If if it does, you're going to have Craig Wright. I think decentralized. When I when I think of decentralized government governance, I think (laughs) decentralize it to its ultimate ends is the individual. Is that it's about the individual having as much authority over their own life without having any authority over the other because they also have too much authority over their own life like that is decentralization in my mind so so i i think if if i take if i understand what you're saying and i take it to its natural Mm. conclusion is that you want we we want uh, as a decentralized organization of Bitcoiners, we want people to have defined autonomy and decision-making ability as much as possible over their own individual, their own self, uh, selfdom, if, if I may. Um, and to ensure that we have that, we need to put that in writing, so that everyone understands. So everyone understands what, of their, what their rights are as individuals, right? <laughs> Yeah, so so just bear with me here because I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. We need to reduce what we want as rights in some way that everyone can like understand what their rights are, right? What, yeah, like some kind of bill of rights, but not like constitute U.S. Yeah, yeah. Constitution, but some kind of like let's call it uh, the individualist, the individual sovereign bill of rights, right? You want to know what your sovereign rights are as an individual. Who is going to enforce that? Well, the- when I come and I steal your Bitcoin, or I come and I and I come, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have a dispute with you over the eggs that I delivered to your house. And you're like, you know what? Screw you, Jared. Um, you were supposed to pay you know, 25 sats per egg, but you only paid me 20. 
That's the thing, though, is you know, that the incentives and dis- the technology itself is what enforces it. Is that, uh, like, Bitcoin's a great example. Is that, um, uh, yeah, I can uh, decide what job I have and how much I make, but oop, you get to decide how much money, how much my money's worth. Well, not anymore. Now you need to find a new method to try to control me because one has been taken yeah. away. My concern with this idea is that while it is mm-hmm. the ideal, and I think we all want that, that the complexity of the decision to become sovereign and define sovereignty is going to create com- com- well, it's going to create complexity and governance and enforcement. That you're going to have technology that then has to get decided and ruled upon by a judiciary or rules that are going to have to be created by legislature. We're trying to create something simple, but by creating something simple, we have to make it yeah, really, the, really complex. The, sorry, uh, the legal system, though, is is very... Um, the political control and the legal control are a consequence of the technology. Like, if uh, the technology is moving things too far doesn't really matter what the law is eventually it just gets undone um like first laws with uh uh uh, gas vehicles um with you know the um ford model t or whatever um was that you had to uh you had to have a guy walking in front of it with a big flag because it was a death machine that was being put on the streets and everybody who made carriages for living had a lot of lobbying power, and the hell if they were going to let people go 35 miles an hour in this machine. Um, so you literally had to have somebody walk alongside it. But how long did that last? Does anybody have a flagger with their car? No, because the technology made it look stupid. Eventually, it cannot sustain itself against, I think, the technology and how we relate to each other on a personal level, which the technology greatly affects is the ultimate indicator um yes there is always that overarching narrative that does not like to move quickly um and there is always there are always social systems that will push back but i think it's a constant move of two steps forward one step back two steps forward one step back my fear is that by making something as simple as uh, decentralized um, sovereignty for in- for individuals, where we have more say over ourselves, is that we actually end up creating complexity and governance. We are, oh yeah. And I, uh, and, and and that is a concern for me because complexity and governance breeds bureaucracy, and bureaucracy breeds big governments. And by trying to add more sovereign sovereignty to an individual, you actually create a bigger government, and you're Absolutely literally creating. I think it's the. The, the limitations in the ability for personal sovereignty create big governance which create er, create big governments which create the complexity which create the like the bureaucracy I, I think I think there's a bit of a circle there um, that uh, yes the more I mean I mean think about how complex the market is right now but go back 120 years and we were in the midst of the explosion of this, and we did not have any of this. We did not have any. Of course, there's unbelievable political bureaucracy, and there's been a state since the beginning, but not anywhere near to the degree of involvement and nanny stating that we have now. And we built all of this complexity. The market is complexity. An insurance company is around, is, is a whole market 
of a thing, of a financial instrument that is trying to get, cover a gap between a complexity and an uncertainty. Like, that's what the market does. So, yes, the, I mean, the, the increased decentralization absolutely causes increased complexity. In fact, that increased complexity is exactly why we get wealthier, is because we can do fewer things as individuals, but collectively we have such a greater breadth of things that we're actually doing and that we can trade off of. Like, we can have so many of these other things. I, I didn't make this popcorn. I, I bought the popcorn. I don't know where the popcorn came from. I don't know where the corn, the bag. The, <laughs> no, but you get it. Like, like, all of these things that we're using that have nothing to do with us and that none of us have any idea how to make. Um, like, that is incredible complexity. And sure, there's always a governance issue involved in that, but the market does a lot of that governance that we just really don't think about on a daily basis. Like, when you go to a grocery store, they... When I go to a grocery store, I do a podcast. You're not worried about... <laughs> that is true. We are doing a podcast in a grocery store. Um, but there's there's all these things that are sorted out and that we, we figure out in these default assumptions that uh, aren't just... They're not written into law. We just figured them out in the market. The The store figured out how to have automatic doors and, you know, one security guy and, like, like I, I don't know. I don't think... Yeah, the world's, the world's governance is not innocuous. It is it is a violent governance. And it, when I push hard for we need to kill the U.S. dollar, I'm saying we need to cut off the supply lines of the violent army that's killing people all around the world. You know, cut off the supply line. The supply line is the ability to print money. Do you think we can do that in kind of a passive, peaceful way, though? Or do you think it's going to require something more active and more what has to be active election of the correct president no i don't election I don't so. election of uh, the correct president you know so so hear me out for example if if there was one if there was one guy let's say you elected me to, I'll vote for to you. office uh, illegal impossible not born in the us but let's just just hear me out my my first order of business is to write a letter to um, to the House and to the Senate, saying, I am not going to um, sign any bill that isn't a supermajority. So I'm going to veto absolutely everything you send to my office. It doesn't. You will be the least effective Congress in the history of the United States unless you have a supermajority on everything. So you're automatically are causing them to have to create laws that are incredibly focused on a specific issue with no pork belly to it what is it pork belly pork barrel pork pork only a pork just the pork no pork no chicharrones either um so so that right there starts um a chain where you've got individuals that are going to have to set a precedent of creating bills specifically for a particular reason you've got lobbyists that are not going to be able to include anything in the bill because not everyone's going to vote for um uh, bills that have fluff in them, have pork in them, um, and you're going to have incredibly specific and narrowly tailored laws that solve the problem and only the problem. Step two, uh, president has complete dominion control as a commander of chief over the, the military. Okay, all troops from all those countries, South Korea, Germany, wherever we have those bases in Iraq, Afghanistan, everyone's coming home, pull out immediately. No one has to vote on that. It would take the election of one single person to do that. Yeah, I, I, I love, and it actually would cause the economy yeah. to boom. I, I mean, I, I love where you're going. Uh, the only problem that I do have is that 
And I'm, I, and I'm not interested no, no. in committing suicide. I'm of sound know, mind right I, now, I, I in case you guys know. are wondering. I definitely know. I think um, where, where you're going is more um, regulatory and law-focused. I think something with Bitcoin, um, I don't know if it, it, it really has strength going through the, that process, honestly. I think things, like let, let's talk about the, you know, the, the cars, right, uh, versus a carriage. When there's demand and people want these things and there's no laws for them, the laws have to react to those things. But I think I think law is better when it's reacting, honestly. So when you know these guys are coming up with these cars and the lobbyists are trying their hardest to like use the law to their advantage, they still lost because the demand was there. Right now with Bitcoin, we have to have that demand so that it can it can push law to be more reactive. It's like, okay, everyone's using Bitcoin. I don't know how all these people got Bitcoins in their hands. Let's start making some laws like today. <laughs> That's where it needs to go. But right now, the demand is not really there. So we're kind of in this little purgatory state where it's like, okay, we could wait for some regulatory actions to come out. Those regulatory actions will probably not be that great for Bitcoin if they do come out while it's in this state. So I, at the end of the, at the end of the day, my my point is, I rather have law be more reactive. I rather have Bitcoin succeed through a demand process from people using Bitcoin, and law figuring out how to regulate after Bitcoin has soared and is mooned and did all the good stuff that we've always hoped for it to to do. You know, so That's I think my take. to deal with the U.S. government. Has anyone missed a payment on a credit card? What happens to your interest rate? All we have to do is create chaos to miss a single payment on the Fed's debt. The debt then goes up 10%. The debt is no longer ever payable because you've had these massive interest rate up. There is no feasible way to ever cause, to ever pay back the national debt. If you can cause one political crisis to miss one debt payment, that's how vulnerable the whole system is. And it's these sort of moments of attack that we have to be ready to just mobilize and smack. It's just shut down the economy, miss one debt payment, and the world's creditors will never forgive the U.S. again. That's the end of the U.S. empire. We have to shut... That's, that's, that's the thing, though. There's no... There's not enough people with that demand and mindset. Could you do it with students? Yeah, wait, can, 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 can we explain that a little <laughs> are, bit are, more are, slowly? I don't understand how if we miss the debt payment that that's the end of everything. You, you mean the... I mean, don't they, don't they set their own... No, no, but I think I think I mean, he's talking about the government as a whole misses the debt payment. Or are you talking about individual people collectively conspiring to not pay their debt? The government okay. as a whole. The government as a whole misses. And who does the payment. government pay these debt payments to? Pay yeah, all you have to do is. But the Federal Reserve would just pretend just like that didn't happen. But no, the 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 world's confidence in the U.S. dollar would be shot. If they, but how would the rest shook. of the world find out about that? Uh, I don't, I don't know how that would. Remember. Remember Thing when is, the de the, debts the, the, we do it every the debt down every got year. downgraded to double A status? That's what would happen. Oh, okay. We have some sort of massive debt downgrade so that to get future debt. So right now, let's say we're getting debt at like one percent interest rate. Suddenly, 
to service our current debt, we have to go get new debt, and that debt's not 1% like we were expecting and budgeting for for the last decades. It's 11%, and we'll never pay off our debt 11% because the interest payments now are larger than but, tax But no one thinks itself. that we're going to pay off our debt anyway. Wait. That's correct. You, act, you have yeah. to actually force it to happen. That's one thing. You have to make yeah. history happen. Bitcoin, it's... Um, are you saying that, that the revenue that they bring in needs to do nothing, not even cover the payment, like the interest? You just need you to freak out the finance, international financial community once by creating, by creating one really strong, concentrated, one-month-long protest that just successfully, it, you know, it can... You could also just have like someone like Trump in power who doesn't the implication of missing a single debt payment does not register with them and you just have to let it happen while the wrong person is watching the throne. You know, that's all you have to do. And one of these historic moments is going to arise and you have to like you know, as like Che Guevara or whatever said, you have to like actually cut the coconut from the tree. And there's going to be a dangerous point for Bitcoiners where they have to actually make that choice. So, okay, using that, let's say this is happening, right? And we're unable to, yeah, we're, we're unable to pay the debt, right? From the government's standpoint. What happens after that? Um, so, yeah, to, to be more explicit, so you have a minimum payment on your credit card. And the, when your interest rate goes up, your minimum payment doubles maybe goes up four times. That's what I expect would happen. What was the question again? So, okay, if it does go up four times and the United States is like, uh, yeah, we're not paying you that, what happens? Um, so does the Federal Reserve have a way... Does it, let's use the Fed. Do they have a, a way to enforce the United States to pay that money back? Like, do they have their own secret oh, army? Oh, the Federal Reserve have a secret army? Enforce? Right, because at the end of the day, it's all about I think that right? what will happen is that our creditors will no longer take dollars. They're going to want to asset strip the United States. They're going to force you to, they were like, we will not take a payment in your crap currency that you print and sometimes don't pay from. You are only going to take $100 billion worth of um, arable land or $100 billion worth of like mineral deposits. But wouldn't many other countries default before us if they're paying their debt down in dollars? I would assume, this is not my area of expertise, that they would have a far higher dollar shortage than the U.S. would. I think we have more access to U.S. dollars than other countries. So wouldn't it, we be theoretically one of the last, or if not the last, country to default on debt? So there would be many more canaries in the coal mine. Um, yeah, I, mean, that I would, would think happen. so, but I think there's also the opportunity where the, just the political chaos over time, you force this to accidentally happen. That you get someone elected who's just willing to uh, freak out the financial markets. Like, I'm going to cancel. Oh, you're saying this intentionally. Is an attack. This is an I don't attack. think the United States is, is a good okay. actor on the world stage. I think it's an immoral actor on the world stage. But this person coming into power, you're saying that they would force this action and this. Uh, we're trying to find a leader that's actually a patsy trying to do something. That's what we're trying to do. Don't you we're think this leader would be assassinated? <laughs> like, really quickly? <laughs> Infiltrate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he would, but I mean, once he's done it, he's done it. I don't you know. I'm hoping that there would be more of an action there, that people though. can do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with you. If we could get, uh, you know, a president to default the on individual, debt, yes, that would spike the the Bitcoin hyper Bitcoinization. I, I think Trump, if you went with enough people to his lobbies, you get really? a default on the debt. I think he's that susceptible to what just be the benefit to regular to him people to do and that? his fan, his base that if they started calling for it because this meme caught on <laughs> default on the debt. Trump, check out this meme that, though. Like, the, the 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 people who if the meme caught on like mainstream media wouldn't be able to stop it we've already been trained not to listen to mainstream media who's like no no this is actually the first thing that's mattered ever in our lifetimes do not miss this no, debt up. payment <laughs> do you think well, Trump is incentivized to keep his own fortune you know he's not going to voluntarily or anything yeah, that's, or voluntarily yeah, that's what crash I'm your own it's fortune like, it's, it's like the move at the end you collect enough money, and then uh, what are you going to do with it when you're 80 years old? Well, he has real estate. He has real estate. He has yeah. some assets. Well, I, I think he has real estate, hopefully. Maybe he has gold and other mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, he would have to be diversified in other assets other than dollars to really pitch it to him. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just an inter- I mean, you'd have to... I mean, yeah, it, it's all like uh, getting fights within the king's court, figuring out some way to get him so angry at you know the Federal Reserve that he does something stupid. But these are these are the sort of attack vectors you would that I recommend people doing. <laughs> Interesting yeah. attack vectors. Yeah, this would immediately be some grounds for like middle incompetency, and he would be thrown out by the cabinet. You know, there's like. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like all our presidents are like seventy plus these days, so there would be some kind of Trump. Trump know, reminds me most of Andrew Jackson. This is a totally Andrew Jackson. Yeah, I agree with that. So the president has complete control to default on a payment. Nobody can stop the U.S. Oh, I president. There was more checks. Oh, my God. Do, I mean, do you think anybody can stop the U.S. president? Like, I think you could do bad Not, things to get away with it. Who's going to arrest him? Oh, of course. Who arrests the president? Defaults on like defaults on a loan to the to the Fed. Uh, you, you, cannot, you can't arrest the president. Yes, like you cannot. You cannot by law. It's it's written in our constitution. He actually is immune. If he if he went out into the street and shot someone dead, he could not be arrested. While he's in office, he's immune yeah, I, from prosecution so for yeah. a crime. He's a immune. Chief. So yeah. yeah, but he is the law. He is actually the long arm of the law. Yeah, no, he is the arm of the law. He's the executive branch. And once he is no longer the president, so long as the statute of limitations hasn't run, he could then be prosecuted. Yeah, so there, I mean, there are scenarios where a uh, where Trump can't resign because he would just spend the rest of his life in jail. Those sort of things could easily happen. Our constitution is not – Bitcoin is more bulletproof than our constitution, <laughs> you know? By, by an order of magnitude, like oh, there's yeah. so many, the checks and balances have already fallen apart, and like the Supreme Court is having to do major major legislative action with court decisions. What what I'm what I'm concerned about this idea, just like uh, if we're if we're truly kicking this this ball and we're going to play the game with letting the Fed default on the on the debt, um, whether the president has the authority to order the Fed to do anything. I know the president elects the uh, some of the members of the Fed, right? I mean, he elects them into into office, but they are not a governmental organization. They are quasi-governmental, and as such, while he is responsible for the election of them to their seats, 
I don't know that he can the, direct the them to Trump take any is action. That his enemies are systems men, and they will preserve the system even if there's a corrupt bad actor within the system. That they will preserve the appearances even if the pers- yeah, even if the exactly. president is breaking the law. So they will Trump try is to just from the Matrix. So no, no, but no. <laughs> No, th- no, th- no. They're just people that. There are people that will. Co- there are people that will cover up for his corruption. They are not willing to put the system on trial. And like, it's like that's another good example of controlled oppositions. There are people that are not willing to expose vulnerabilities because it will make people question the system. Yeah, and plus, I think just general the general public does not want to see the system go on trial. You get what I'm saying? Like maybe for a minority. I would say we are minorities. Like, of course, we would like to see the system get tried and tested and audited, things like that. But, like, I think the general public, that's it's kind of like a frightening experience to see, like, your government put on trial. And You know, if you're an Iraqi system, and the U.S. has been invading you, like, why am I crying for this random government that claims me as their own? You know, this is just a violent empire. I'm part of the violent empire. They take my money. They take money of other people around the world. It's not my government. Yeah, but for the Iraqi, they're not involved. So, and they can't really do too much to stop it. The only people that can really stop the American government are probably closest would be the American people themselves. And right now, the American people. I I disagree. I think it is the creditors. I think we move to a level up. When you move into Bitcoin, you move to a level above. Which is you're not even trying to stop the actual money. You're trying to stop the future credit. What will the credit that the U.S. can access in 2021? And if you attack that attack vector, you can stop uh, the empire. That's an interesting. That's an interesting point. If you can create such a concern um, for people that loan money, money lenders, creditors, that. That the creditworthiness of the United States is so weak. Are the creditors just the rich people of the world? The entire economy. Uh, rich banks. But the U.S. is rich the richest government, right? Other governments. Okay, so when we when we borrow from people, we're yeah, borrow. Right. We're not borrowing. If, if you from value it by other debt, governments are we? And I realize this is a stupid question because. Yes. What if I yeah. stupid? I, I even need clarification. But aren't all governments in debt? We definitely borrow money from other governments. So we borrow money. I, all right. So somebody explain that to me. Yes. Like, yes. how are this all governments both in debt and also lending to other governments? So, so <laughs> in debt and in the black. <laughs> so I do think there's. Because debt is considered there are an independent asset. banks, though, that are not in debt, though, right? So these guys who are doing like the, the, the creditors, let's say the quote unquote creditors, other than the nation states who are also doing lending, like maybe China, there are independent banks who are wealthy and rich and not and, in and debt also in just individuals money. who are rich that are whenever you buy buy a bond, you're that that's the only way I actually understand government debt is through individual people buying bonds. I don't really understand anything else. Yeah. So what if they didn't buy the bonds? Yeah. If they don't buy the bonds, then I guess uh, the the rate has to go up in order to entice people to buy bonds. So then, the, yeah. So the interest rate goes up, 
And then suddenly people that loaned out in, at interest rate 5% think they were going to make some money are now like they're stuck into a 20-year mortgage set or some long-term loan that's actually going to lose money because the treasury bonds have gone up in price. Like it's The, cre- the, the U.S. is um, not a rich country. It's trillions of dollars in debt. Why are we pretending like we're rich? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just a matter of when they cut us off. You know, it's kind of inevitable. And also, the way they cut it off is just going to be a long... <sighs> Nobody who's wealthy is going to be get hurt by the way they cut us off. It's just going to be the average citizen. So that we just also have to kind of accept that inevitability. So this is this is all this always boils down to that interesting concepts of money, power, and respect, right? So obviously, the U.S. is not they're they're not in the green when it comes to the balance sheet, right? But they have a lot of power, and they do have a lot of respect. So can they get by just with those two? So I mean, just to put it into a cleaner example, let's say they do default, right? And they're like, "F you to everyone that's a creditor. We don't need your, we don't need your credit. We have U.S. dollars. Our our people are convinced that the U.S. dollar is going to work. We can still manufacture planes and pay people in this shitty U.S. dollar that you're talking about, and have them fly over to your country and destroy you. <laughs> that's that's the level of confidence that we're running on in America, even though it's it's fueled by it's fueled fumes, by violence. I mean, it's still very dangerous. Yeah, it's fueled by violence. So." Money, power, respect, it's almost like, okay, America's playing a hedge game. Well, not, they're not playing a hedge game. They're, play, they're placing their bets on uh, power and respect. And right now, they're, they're kind of winning that, that battle. And I think the American people do, are okay Do you ever think, well. though, you know how there's a lot sense. of people who voted for Trump secretly, but don't admit to voting for Trump publicly. I know this is the case for Brexit too, like where I was in the UK when Brexit happened. No one admitted to voting for publicly. And I, right. So I, I kind of wonder, I, yeah, I, I kind of wonder if there's a difference between what we think is the average person's mentality versus, you know, the silent majority might want to vote for some kind of chaos like this. No, this is absolutely true because the exit polls during the election clearly favored Hillary. That's why it was such a shock. And uh, Eric Weinstein talked about this. I think it was on his one of his podcasts, the Portal Podcast. But it's a psychological concept of the the social consensus is Trump support equals bad person that's what the narrative is in the media therefore even in the exit polls your name's not attached to them people are just embarrassed to even admit to a stranger that they voted for trump and and that absolutely happens and it's like people are self-censoring in that way so people don't feel uh safe and comfortable just to express their own views in in uh pretty much an anonymous way it's just like the 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 negative look potential from someone is is influencing them and that just further exemplifies why it's important to have and then uh, so you think of how many people are taking that to even conduct the exit polls they're voting against what they would actually vote for just to create that in their own head in there so I've, I've got a long-standing theory about why people voted for a lot of people voted for donald trump um 
there are genuinely people that voted for Donald Trump because they believe that he was the best candidate. And then I feel that there are large swaths, maybe even a majority of those that voted for Donald Trump, that voted for him because of a secret self-loathing they have. Same as Bitcoiners. That's why we're into Bitcoin. That, we hate ourselves. That, no, just hear me out. Hear me out. No, no, like, no, no. I'm, I'm. It's like you know what? I'm so sick and tired of all of the crap in politics. I want to vote oh, yeah. for burn. the guy just who's going to upset the apple cart the most. If, 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 Without if you, if you get the matches, get the gas. We're going to burn this motherfucker down. Let's elect They a would vote for Donald Duck. A wild and guy. That's an insult to... Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You're going you're gonna to elect a wild... That's probably the best way to put it. Let's put someone in there that we don't even know if he's going to take a shit in the Oval Office on the floor <laughs> on national TV or yeah. eat his own dick McAfee style. We don't know what he's going to do. It's all possible. I mean, they caught him on a hot mic admitting to, to wanting to... Or, or was it actually sexually assaulting someone? So, so you, you're grabbing everyone's kitty cat around here. Like, I mean, like, at what at what level do you just have to look in the mirror and say, "Shit, we just want someone to come and upset it because we actually do want to see this thing." I think, and I, my point here is that we actually have a majority of Americans that want the system to change, simply evidenced by the election I think of Donald what, Trump. I, I totally agree that that's largely what that's evidence of. I almost hit that mic over so I could imitate a mic drop. Um, <laughs> like a cat. Uh, but that um, most of the people who voted for it, it was it's literally like red and blue is giving them, do I want big steaming pile of crap or slightly big steaming pile of crap? And Donald Trump comes in and he's just like, what the hell is this? It's just a, it's just a box with like, open me up and see what's inside. And basically everybody... It, it, we had a lot of people who were like, you know what? I'll take the box instead of one of the steaming piles yeah, I, of shit. Like, I'll take mystery box. Yeah, I'll mystery take the mystery box. meat. I think the last election <laughs> was entirely rigged from the start. They always wanted Hillary Clinton to be elected. And they always were going to have a know-nothing, lose-on-purpose candidate for the Republicans. That so they had planned this out at Davos and, like... They, you know, corporations wanted it. They, they, they decided there was never going. Republicans were never going to elect a president again based on demographics. Like this was the message. They were trying to get that idea in, a head, in our heads to just accept that you're never going to vote for president. It's just going to be whoever the Democrats choose. And then the American people said, "We know you're rigging this election. We know you've given us one choice." because the other choice is not an actual option. And we will vote for the other choice because we know, just to show you that we know what you did, that you that you rigged this from the start, that you were never going, you always wanted this person, we're never going to give us an option besides them. And that's, they, I think they were packed into a corner. And that it's not just that they, they wanted to burn, it's that um, if you didn't vote, I, I don't know, it's just like their only maneuver to matter, to exist in a democracy, was to not yeah. vote for who was chosen before the election started. You, you guys are awesome because as an African-American, you already know that obviously, well, maybe not, I'm not going to assume that everyone knows this, but if you're if you're African, you're no, African -American. no, if you're African-American, you're supposed to you're supposed to vote Demo uh, Democrat, just Automatically. Oh, you spoke, you no, well, you have to. You're not supposed to. Yeah, you have a gun to your head to. to vote Democrat, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, from my my point of view, um, everyone was feeding me the Hillary piece, but going back to the self loathing, 
<laughs> Are you trying to come no, no, clean? No, no, no. Are you I trying to tell us something? Now, to come clean on that. But to, to, to go back to the self-loathing piece, I did want to see Donald Trump win because not because I like Donald Trump. It was because more of what you said. Like I was like, this system sucks. And the only way to prove that this system sucks is to have someone destroy, well, someone like Donald Trump completely show all the flaws of the system. I knew Hillary coming in. She is so tight that no, it would just be the same story and song and dance would all be, you know, singing the same tune that, oh, this is all great. The system is clean. Meanwhile, we know corruption is happening underneath it, but nothing would ever get exposed. With Donald Trump, you get that good exposure. It feels, it feels so good. <laughs> Feels good to make them Some people all just want to watch like the world burn, Mr. Wayne. I think we're, you're almost daring them. Like, okay, you you got us down to only giving us to to try to take away democracy itself by only giving us one candidate, and we're daring them to take that away. And I think they might. I think that they're not going to let us reject their candidate again, and they're going to use even more rougher tactics in the future. Yeah. But it was some form of it was some somewhat comforting for people who may believe that the deep state is truly controlling everything that at least the people the voting system it seems to uh, to work based on you know the fact that you think if it is rigged then Donald Trump would never been elected so just whatever as, percentage as, uh, they've rigged not, it it's not enough they, right <laughs> exactly that's so it's being modified right now they're bringing in the Russians you know or whatever else to, to help. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, the technology being made, but that was uh, getting back to what you were talking about earlier, and we should probably start wrapping up here in a little bit. But I think uh, it would probably be more likely that there was this kind of movement to default on your loans, and fifty percent of the people just kind of like agreed that in two months from now they're just going to stop paying everything. Student loans. Definitely. And maybe even like car loans and probably less likely mortgage payments. But I think this would also work. I think that could freak out the financial markets. It's like, well, if they've already decided on a personal level they're not going to pay back their debts, guess what? They're voting for it. They're also voting for their government not to pay back their debts. And there's a real chance they could. Right. I mean, like we're all incentivized right now to not pay our student loans. I mean, we talked about this before. Like if there's a chance our student loans are going to be canceled, who's the suckers that that's going to continue to pay their loans when there's a chance they're going to be canceled. So, yeah, right. So I still feel like that there's a chance that's happening. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're paying for your own workplace seminars. Yeah. Never forget. Uh, we're at two hours here. I don't mean to make it like a harsh stop, but should we work towards anybody have final statements they want to say or something? Matriculating into cults. <laughs> so uh, we we did propose last week that we should close out every episode by talking about uh, uh, the Raleigh Bitcoin <laughs> meetup's favorite scammer. What is he doing now? However, I think that we should end the show by going around and proposing some cults that we should uh, that you should propose a cult for the guy to your left. Oh no. To the guy to my left. To, 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 uh, what did you call the attack? Well, yeah, we need to infiltrate going other into the cult and, and like, the, we're going in there, we're, yeah, and we're, we're, we're not telling other them we're Bitcoin teams. people until they've, we've already gained their trust. And then we pretend like we spontaneously, Bitcoin's going to solve this cult's problem as well, bring them into our cult. 
Oh, chemtrails! I is think a we great need to choice. go after the chemtrail people. Let's let's bring the, yeah. Let's let's bring them in first. Oh, uh, it's the people you know that the, the chemical looking trails follow this, the this is your, in the sky. Gene, they're messing. You are to the left. It's, this is your assignment. We're now assigned chemtrails. Jared, you, <laughs> what is your assignment? So now you got to get on chemtrails. Little, little known fact. Oh God, last week, did you know they had the flat earther in Cary a world conference? Okay, so Cary's right next to Raleigh. I remember. In Cary, yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wish I'd have known we could have all gone as a group. As the person to my left, I would like to um, ordain you the minister in charge of bringing in the flat earthers. They, they were there too. It was, yeah, it was I the don't flat want Bitcoin comments. to become associated with yeah. these kind I mean, of uh, weird cults. No, no, we're rescuing people right. from. I'll take, I was being I'll just take Christians. We're, um, okay. we're deprogramming them from that cult and reprogramming it into Wrong our cult. Their hearts are in the right place, but they're confused by stupid things. They're very malleable, obviously. I have a desire to start a meetup for a hollow right. earth group <laughs> to track down and capture mole people. I'm going to uh, assign the guy to down. my left the uh, fake okay. moon landing cult. <laughs> That's way better. That's there way are already better. some of those in this group, man. <laughs> oh, and that research is so much fun. Who's shadows. holding the camera? Shadows. <laughs> There's no doubt there, there are some pictures so that are fake. Clearly has a number on it. Part. If you... If you're going to send a spaceship that's never been up there before and you want a plan B, you're going to get Stanley Kubrick, who created one of the best. You're going to create the most amazing space movie ever. 2001. What year is that? Like? 69, 68. Gravity. Really early. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's like, wait, was it that early? Yeah, I think it was that early. So, oh my God. A plan B footage to yeah, show Russia was is going to be fake moon in a basement. Just in case it doesn't make it. They could say, hey, we made it to the thing. We made it to the moon. That's where you're, so you're seeing some of this leaked footage that he created. Um, Not that we didn't go. It was just basically, was it was just backup. basically a backup plan. Okay, to, for, the, for the person. I like that theory. I'm taking it to the the yeah I can't fake do moon, moon landing, landing conferences I used to work for NASA, so sorry uh, that's, that's that's I can't can't do that I'm part of that I'm part of that conspiracy uh, but my the person to my left um, I have an NDA in Raleigh I'm pretty sure there's a furries and bronies meetup in Pullen Park oh, wow already a part of that we're one doing conspiracy groups or fetish groups. <laughs> We are just colds. Those are the same thing. We're, either one of those are good. Because furries are the. I actually think the furry group is the best one yet because there are there's no one at that furry conference that is not accepting of everyone as they are. So it doesn't matter Ethereum, right. what your Ethereum has already. <laughs> your political Ethereum has like, Ethereum has already. I identify a as furry. Uh, a sound money principle. In this very a sound, a sound money badger. That's what you are. <laughs> I believe that's our new Raleigh Bitcoin meetup uh, icon. Sound is the sound money badger yes. <laughs> instead of the honey? <laughs> 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 everyone has their assignment. Does everybody have their assignment? I think 
No, you haven't assigned to your left jets, and you haven't assigned okay, to your left um, jets. I assign you to everyone in B cap. <laughs> I'm gonna go for Wade. Wade should go Good for um, the statist. The statist themselves. That's not a bad. That's not choice. a cult though. That's the majority. Wait. He'll be a martyr. Wade's yeah. got that um, one. Crap! I'm still waiting to be assigned. Wade will take them down. Um, I'm gonna put uh, Steve in charge of. Ooh! I could do that. <laughs> I could do that. I want him to. Yes. There's. I basically what I need to do is. To rush a fraternity and pretend like you're a member of, you're currently enrolled oh, in the yeah. state. And Wilder. <laughs> you need to become elected president of the fraternity. That's a and gift. then you make the organization not a fraternity, but a Bitcoin meetup on state's campus. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> totally doing that. Mascots to sound okay. money badger. And then I'm going to I'm gonna throw help. like the old school parties I'm where I have like, parties. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Act- yeah. Daggers. Okay. All right, is that a good place parties. to cut it? All right, we've got All our assignments. assignments. That's good All right, thanks for listening. See y'all next we week. Got our assignments. Dismissed.